It's car con carne. I'm going to read a quick sponsor, and uh, we're going to go live. Oh, you fucking sell out. Stop it. <laughs> All right, you ready? I, I'm, I'm recording. Are you recording? So I've recorded on my end. <laughs> I am so ready for this. And you're already busting my balls, which is fantastic. Okay. It is Carcon Carne, and Carcon Carne wants you to know that Siren Records McHenry is now offering curbside pickup and online ordering. Check out their new website at sirenrecordsmchenry.com. If you're in a band, or if you own a label, or if you want to get a product in a real store, Message them on social media or call the store. Siren Records McHenry is always looking to support local music. My guest, we first came to know this guy from his days as singer and guitarist in Sick Puppies. He's been writing solo since 2014. He is Shim, and here he is on Carcone Carne from his uh, really cool, are we in your studio right now? Yeah, man. Yep, we're in the studio, and I apologize if the internet drops out because I'm in the boat with you where we're just figuring this shit out as we go. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. We're just talking about like I'm just turning my microphone and put up a little bit there so I can sit back like this. This microphone is a brand new addition that was a USB microphone that's about 10 years old that I dug out of the shed because my $2,000 condenser microphone decided to take a dump. Am I, are we allowed to swear? We can swear, right? It's a podcast, Jim. Okay, thank God. Yeah. Um, it took a shit and fucking... <laughs> And just decided to stop working. And I was like, well, I can't I, I can't just stop what I'm doing. And we were talking about this. COVID happened. Lockdown happens. Do you die or do you pivot and continue to survive? And so I I, I didn't really have the lights beforehand, but I kind of it, it kind of gave me an excuse to finish setting up my studio in an aesthetic way. I'm sure you're the same where you get in, you set up your rig, you start working and you go, okay, cool. I've got work to do. I'll finish the fancy looking stuff later. Right. For sure. So now I've got a reason to make it look pretty. So I got the records on the wall like I always wanted and all that sort of jazz. Let's talk about the records on the wall. I, I know we really can't see from here, but uh, I saw a little peek before we went live. These are legit records. That's the MC5. first one. MC5. MC5. This is actually a bootleg. That's a limp. That's a. This is the most valuable in the collection. PS. This is not mine. This is my dad's collection. I grew up with it, but he technically owns it. So <clears throat> these are the, these are my records that I grew up listening to, and these see, are the ones I, I had you pegged as a '90s kid. I, well, I'm on fucking every dude. I started on Broadway. People don't really know that very much. I started on show tunes, man. When I was five, I was listening to Stephen Sondheim and all those sorts of things when you're a kid. And then, then when I realized that people like me, my age could do music as well, that it wasn't this far away thing in the theater that it was like, oh, you can just put on a guitar and write songs and you're making music all of a sudden. That was when I got into Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all the 90s stuff, the usual suspects. Silver chair. Silver chair, I didn't want to mention, but I appreciate thought I didn't want to mention it. Most people forget. And I forget, I forgot for a second who the fuck I was talking to. But yeah, so you know about me. Silver chair started the whole thing, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, right, so what else is on your wall? What else have we got? Well, we got Sergeant Peppers, obviously. Obviously. I got two Beatles up at the moment because I was listening to I started playing my kids Revolver recently. So we've got We've got revolver and this one here has a permanent place. This one never gets changed. This it's is all classics. No, that's, that, that's, that's, classics. The general, that's the general mantra for every song that I write and produce. If it doesn't, if this isn't at the top of the theme, it doesn't make the cut. Uh, favorite song off. Never mind the bollocks. Oh, um, God save the queen. I'm sorry. I know it's not a deep cut, but it's just, it's the first song I heard from the pistols and it's always the go-to. See, I, I'm a submission guy. 
You're a submission guy. I get it. But when he sang that line, she ain't no human being. I was like, that rhyme is fucking dope. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. God's the queen. She ain't no human being. And I'm like, you can rhyme anything if you just fucking slang it enough. It was perfect. I, I met Leiden once. He did an in-store signing at Barbara's bookstore in Chicago. He, he uh, did a biography. I forgot the name of the book. But he walked in in this really gorgeous Armani suit looking very polished and everyone in there, you know, leather cop coats, spikes, tatted up mohawks. He just walked in and sneered at everybody saying, look at all of you and your punk rock uniforms thinking you're so unique. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just playing the heel to his fan base. There's something to be said for the way Leiden carries himself and just his whole image and persona. He figured it out. He's well, he didn't figure it out. He's a hundred percent fucking real. He he started the band because he was like, I'm not gonna be a sheep. And then when people started to follow, he was like, Fuck off, don't fucking follow me. Fuck off. Get yeah. away from me. There's a like he was real. He was real and they became the first sort of rock boy band, so to speak. Like they were this they everyone was going crazy over the sex pistols. They tapped into that chord, they tapped that that heartstring. And the reason they tapped it, which is, I think is the thing that gets lost the most in the music business nowadays, is the reason that, that it was what it was, was because it was completely authentic. Yeah. It was just, it was 100% authentic. It wasn't trying to do anything. It, and when, when they finally got their notoriety, they avoided it at all costs because they were like, this is not what we signed up for. We were, were opposed to this. And then, of course, it just cycled around. Everyone loved it. They couldn't get it. They want more. We can't get it. Why won't you, you know, all that shit. All right. So show me something else on your wall. What else do we got? I, I I know I saw a record there that excited me. All right. Well, we got this is a classic. We've got to have this. Wait, Sorry. I don't know what that is. That's the Jackson Five's greatest hits. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. We've got to have a bit of that. And then what was it that excited? You? Oh, Iggy. Yeah, raw power. And then we got Iggy. Yeah, we got yeah. the classic. Yes. So what, what you thought? You thought I was just a straight up '90s kid? Oh, I know that's that was kind of your wheelhouse. Maybe. It, it was fun. Here's the difference. 90s is what made me realize I could make music, mm -hmm. but it wasn't where my music, like I love, I'm, I'm on the same as you, we're all the same. We love music, which is why yeah. I find the concept of genres hilarious, you know, and that's why you'll find that certain bands love it when they get put in a genre because they're like, oh, cool, we can go on tour. And other bands are like, I don't want to be in a genre. I like to do a bunch of different stuff. It's and the then truth. they wind up becoming that resentful type of artist that you want to tell to go fuck themselves because they do one genre so well. You know, that's it's the like, truth. Like, if you look at anyone's Spotify right now, there's no way it's all just one style or sound. I mean, I, I, I distrust anyone whose playlist doesn't go from like Merle Haggard to Motorhead to Devo to Fantagram. I mean, that, that's that's how we consume music. I, I take it all in. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this about you. When you started, well, when you started to really consume music heavily, were you a deep cut listen to the whole record take the experience type of guy or were you more like into songs if you had to uh, choose well i'm a little bit older than you so for me it was absolutely deep cut because at that time you know the way to consume music was buy records I, I first record i ever bought it was rock and roll over by kiss and you when you put on a record you listen to that music for 20 minutes at a time you don't get up and requeue the record you listen all the way through so i mean that's the way i was raised it's like i want to buy this record i want to hear it all and the beauty, beauty of vinyl is you listen to the shitty songs and the great songs you, you just you're immersed in that artist's complete vision for the time right. you're listening right see i was different in the way that 
and it wasn't me and i would listen to a whole record i would listen to the vinyls and you know when you got a vinyl you it's re it's it's a hassle and it's a risk when you want to change the needle because if you scratch the record if you drop it it's like you just you put it on nice and delicate and then it, you kind of take the right it's kind of a ritual right but i actually when I, I remember vividly when i was a kid and it came back to me when i was holding up that um oh and sorry i've got to hold up one more i love your studio <laughs> right the one that's the one right? Dude. This is the record. Okay, so check it out. This is the record that got me started. This is literally the record. Is it? It's on. Keep talking. Where's fucking Riff Raff? Is Riff Raff on this one? Riff Raff's on this one, right? Dude, you got it? Dude. You know it. You fucking know it. Right there, man. That's that's the thumbnail for this podcast. That is my pick from your entire catalog. That Here's the thing about ACDC. Growing up as a kid, you listen to ACDC. They gave every young boy hope. It's a bunch of ugly dudes singing three chord rock songs about getting laid. And I'm thinking, listening yeah. to them, if they can do it, we can all do it. That's and that's it. That's but the difference with ACDC for me is it was before I like ACDC was the first time I heard rock music, which was I was so lucky that it wasn't fucking like any other band. It was you know, I, I landed on the right band to fall in love with rock music. And I remember. Yeah being on a plane and my dad it's it's anyone who's a deep fan of mine will know the story but like my dad made me a mixtape on a cassette when because my parents were split up and i would fly from sydney to brisbane to visit my mom once a year and i was nervous about going up and he made me this mixtape and it had three songs by all the set like it was my it was all i listened to for a year it had three bowie songs three alice cooper songs three kiss songs three beatles songs three stone songs three acdc songs and it was just back to back and it was like and i just and it just played it was like all the best songs shim and, I, I have to interrupt you we're gonna be yeah. best friends by the time this, this is over because right. you're seeing bowie and alice cooper we're 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 gonna be best friends right these but these are the bands these are the bands that i think a lot of people I don't know why they don't talk about them more often. They talk about it if it comes up on Spotify and like, oh, those are the those are the cuts that are on the playlist if you're talking about classic rock. I'm like, fuck classic. It's fucking dope rock. It should be in all the dope rock playlists. I cover <laughs> Riff Raff by ACDC at my shows now because that's the song. I was listening to David Bowie and the Beatles and I was like, fuck, this is really cool. It's really different. And I'll never forget it. It was right before the plane took off. And the riff for Riff Raff came in. You hear that build? And then... I can still get chills when I think about it because I remember I felt my ears change. And like theoretically, it was probably the fact that the sonics were so simple and broad that my ears were like, oh, it just opens up sonically because that record is sonically fucking sick. It but is. then I remember, I remember my ears switched on to rock and roll. I felt my ears change, and I was like, whatever the fuck this is, I'm in. I'm fucking in. My favorite ACDC deep cut, I mean, this is my favorite ACDC album. My favorite deep cut is on here, What's Next to the Moon, which just has this thundering okay. bluesy riff on it. Yeah. Talks yeah. about Superman and Lois Lane getting tied to the railroad track. Yeah. Uh, God, Rock and Roll Damnation. This rock is and Roll Damnation. City. I, Let There Be Rock was always my number one off that record. I know it's it's obvious, but like I'm a singles guy and it goes back around to what I was saying, which was that I used to bounce around on the vinyl between songs. And I didn't really remember it until I was at the Jackson 5. They had like three or four songs on the greatest hits that I would always go to and they weren't back to back. So I actually would make my own playlists like in my, I would, it'd be, my dad would leave the house. I would turn the shit up fucking loud and dance around the room like a maniac. But I would always go back to the player and, and get to the next song that I wanted to hear. I was always a song guy. I didn't want to fucking take their ride. I wanted to take my ride. 
So I would go to the songs that I wanted that took me on the ride that I had You're such a lead singer. I know, it's such an ego. <laughs> fucking, yeah. yeah, it's all about you, Shim. Of course. Fucking, why are we surprised? But anyway, how have you been? It's been hey, a I, long time. I, I'm holding up. I, it seems like, you know, a lot of artists I talked to during the pandemic, I'll ask about, are they inspired to be creative, to do things? And it's about 50-50. I mean, some people are, are you know, stuck under the weight, this crushing weight of this shared trauma that we all have. Other artists kind of find a path through and, and find inspiration. It seems like you've been keeping busy. You, you're doing like these lockdown sessions Thank on you social. For, thanks for noticing, yeah. So, I mean, it seems like you've kind of found a, a creative spark in all this madness and... Well, I feel more inspired than I've ever been. Really? Yeah. They, you're you the know, first person you know to say why? that. Why? Because everyone says you can't. You're one of those. Like, yeah, well, everyone says, yeah. oh, well, we can't do this. We can't do that. Okay, what else can we do? Well, we don't know how to do that. Well, let's figure it out. Well, but but people aren't... Well, maybe they are. Let's find out. Like, but you, I mean, you might you can't be inspired. Fucking What? How can you not be inspired? How, number one, how can I, I'm sorry, but I stutter when I think about when someone comes to me, he's like, how do you get inspired? I mean, you get your fucking get yourself and do your job. Do your fucking job. Your job is to write songs. I didn't feel inspired. Fucking figure it out. Figure it out. That's your job. Your job is to write songs and inspire people. If you can't get yourself inspired on a dime, how do you expect to be able to turn other people's emotional state around at the drop of a dime by doing your fucking job on a stage or in a song or on a stream? So, no, I think it's fucking great because they're like, oh, you can't go on tour. I was like, great. What else can we do? Tell me what I can't do. Fucking try me. (laughs) Well, and one thing you're doing, which I think I like this model for artists to do with fans, a virtual meet and greet. There's something so much more substantive about having a one-on-one session I mean, because you've done a kajillion meet and greets in your career and they're always kind of awkward and weird and it, there's that assembly line nature to them but yes. to be able to connect to your fans personally like this especially in such a, in a time of isolation I, I think that's a really cool thing thanks man well it's not a it's not brain surgery and i definitely definitely didn't come up with it but um the funny thing is is that the reason that i started doing it was because jamie lewis from the basis.net big shout out to jamie who's my bass player He's doing, he's been a YouTuber and a, a, an online guy for 10 years. And he started doing like bass masterclasses. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I wish I could do something like that. He was like, dude, he dared me. We basically set a bet, which was like, if we both post a 10 person VIP for me, masterclass for him, he'll sell out first. And I was like, okay, game on. And we fucking went for it. And I and it sold out. And, and I thought about it because before my shows on my tour, I would do VIP sessions and it was, it was a whole thing. You, you, it's an, it's an inflated experience. We meet, we meet backstage in the dressing room. It's decked out. You get a little gift bag. You get like three songs. You can request the songs. All I did was transfer that experience to online. The only yeah. difference is that at the VIP sessions, you get 20 minutes and oh, like, um, when you do the live one at the show, you get 20 minutes. And at my VIP sessions that I sell through my Facebook, uh, you get like an hour and a half. That's because um, because I'm like, dude, it's fair enough that people are paying legitimate money and they're and so give them a show like they, they can request whatever song they want. Everyone gets a song request, 10 songs, hour and a half, pretty solid, great value for them, gives me something to do. Everyone's happy. And you don't shy away from playing sick puppy stuff. No, I, you mean my stuff? There it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's safe to say you're in a good spe- good space, good point as a solo artist. 
right now. I, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't ready to be a solo act when the sick puppy split happened, but you seem like you're in a really comfortable groove. Yeah, no, man. I think that a lot, there was, I mean, for the, for the handful of people who were paying attention at the time that it happened, uh, a lot of people assumed, oh, he, it's, the band's over because he wants to go solo. I really didn't. I really didn't. I did. It's scary. It's awkward. It's it's like when you're used to being in a band, you're used to having a safety net. Even if by the end and the band's not getting along like the usual bullshit, you're still it's you're used to it. It's you're you know going and doing something completely unknown and different. It was I had to I had to I had to make it exciting in my mindset because otherwise I wasn't going to do anything. But the truth is, it was still nervousness and fear and anxiety. So I had to take time to adapt into doing that thing but after a little while i was like oh it's i get to choose the people i work with i'm not i, I can i can meet like a few different people for one job and go no i like that one that's that's going to bring the most value to what i do and you can treat it kind of like a bit more like a business and then by virtue of doing that your creativity blossoms even more because you have more to work with you have more options i knew that your sense of humor is intact when I, my first exposure to you as a solo artist was hallelujah uh, <laughs> yeah more specifically the video which yeah. was like that robert johnson at the crossroads uh puppet guitar battle i, I knew your sense of humor was left yeah. sick puppies in, in full, full it was fine yeah i was fine i thought it was i for I, the thing that i liked about the, the hallelujah video is that it was i knew that that was my first shot and i'd been kind of cagey i don't know how you feel about it. it's probably different because you're in a different um uh, profession technically we're both in the same profession but you do a slightly different thing whereas for me I was like well people know me as a musician so I have to just release music and release a music video and I'm not going to do anything until that happens so there was this period where people didn't hear from me and then there was a lot of fucking pressure to be like well this has got to be great and so I actually the funny thing is I actually made that video twice I, I, I funded everything myself with all my own money and I made the video edited it finished it done showed it to people made the fucking mistake the straight up mistake of not getting people's input while I was making it. I just made it and uh -huh. I told everyone what to do because I was like, I was like a bull in a China shop trying to get through to the other side. And I was like, go, go, go. And I never stopped and was like, let's get some third party perspective. And I finished it and it didn't work. The video did not fucking work. It was still the same idea, but there was many pieces in the final video that were missing. And I called my wife and I was like, I think I fucked up. I think I fucked up. And I was like, I, I, this isn't going to, this isn't up to my standards. Like for me, regardless of what yeah. anyone else thinks, I am not satisfied with this. I, I can't put this out and I need to figure out what to do and testament to my wife. She was like, just go make it again. I know it's expensive. It sucks. Fucking just go make it again. You're, you're this close. Just go and do it again. So I went and did it again and I did it properly and I, and I did it correctly and got people's feedback and then finished it. And it became the product that, you know, and have seen, and it now is very funny and pokes fun at the whole lead singer thing that everyone assumed was going down. I was like, all right, if I poke fun at it, it, it takes the power out of the argument. You remove all the power out of it. And at the same time, you just sort of resolve. It's a nice little transition. You take all that shit for anyone who was paying attention that takes it, flips it. And then we're off on a new direction. I do want to acknowledge we have a bunch of people watching uh, Jillian and Denise, Kelly, Edmund, Brian, Andre, Ryan, Jeff, Mark, Giorgio, Christy, Mike, John, Adam, Carol. Thank you all for watching. Hey guys. Uh, much, much appreciated uh, as we're talking here with Shim. And then, you know, you're talking about not, not wanting to be 
put into one genre bucket, not wanting to be just that easily defined. I, I, I think there was probably a lot of pressure for you to be a rock artist. You are, you are Mr. Active Rock. You, you know, there are, there are certainly, A Brand New War is certainly a rock song. That is an in-your-face song. But stylistically, you bounce all over the place. And you still write pop hooks. I mean, you write melodic hooks. I, yeah, definitely. That's my favorite thing. Like I had a, um, I had a conversation with my agent at the time when I was first starting to make the record, I had a version of the record and he was like, we think that you should just do the same thing you did before. Cause we can make us, we know we can make a certain amount of money. And I was like, look, I just can't do it. I mean, I, I, I sat there and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to give you some artistic spiel about how I'm an artist. I was like, look, and I broke it down and I was like, let's just look at, let's look at your argument. You're talking about one song. You're going down. Biggest song the band ever had. Great. I get it. And we had some deep cuts that were heavy. I said, look at the track record for all of the other singles that the band had. You got Riptides, you got Odd One, you got All the Same, you got Maybe, you know, plus the couple of the, the deep cuts that are fan favorites and stuff. None of those songs, they're all highly melodic, much more on the yeah. Foo Fighters vein. There's clean vocals. There's not, I broke it down for my agent and I was like, the reason that you think that the, that me and my voice is a straight up hard rock only voice is because when I sing those songs live, they rock significantly harder than the album. Sure. And that brings people to the show. So people will like the record, which we know because they bought the singles and the singles were hits as well. So we take that action and then we move it to the show and then you get the best of both worlds. And if you want, we'll produce some videos of live stuff and we'll show that it translates that way. But I'm not, I, I gave him, um, informative uh evidence that not only am i not that kind of singer but i don't need to continue to be that kind of singer just because it's simple and easy for you like we right. can do the same thing and pro and i said we already know that we've got that lane covered and i'll hit that lane and i'll really like hallelujah will be a first single it'll fit in that lane and i'll do a brand new war and i'll, I'll you know change the the track listing if it makes a difference to you but i'm not going to change my album my album's done it's my album i'm doing it and i was like this is happening if you want to represent it, you can represent it, but I'm not changing it just because you think your job will be easier if I do there something else. So, so I did it. And once I explained it to him, he actually sat back and was like, you, all, everything you said is correct. We just have to decide if we want to do it. And they came back the next day and were like, all right, we're in. And then okay. they wrapped me and we went and got it on. So I guess the question is, where does, where does all this leave you now moving forward? It, talking about being a singles guy as opposed to a deep track guy, there's certainly a case to be made that you can release songs a la carte. You can just release a bunch of singles. You don't necessarily need to release a full-blown album in the present day, but is that, is that appealing to you or you want to hold out for another full round? I don't really care. I don't really care. As far as I'm concerned, my album was a collection of singles. I didn't make it a thing where like, it's sort of, it sort of was like from beginning to end, it did take you on a journey and it was track listed to take you on a ride. Um, but it's mostly just like the songs needed to stand alone on their own. I definitely, they, I don't think if you like my style and my voice, you're not going to listen to my album and skip a track. Um, so as a result of that, I don't really care. I, I wanted to make sure that my album was an album for the first one. So that specifically I had something to go and tour. A lot of people said to me, dude, just drop a single, just drop a single and, and have something out there. And I was like, I can't follow up. A I can't go on tour. I can't do a VIP session. It'll just be, Hey, play that single and then play a whole bunch of sick poppy stuff. I was okay. like, no, I need to, I need to do something that sets me 
off that, that sets it off. And then after that, I'll do singles. And I probably will. Like at the moment with the lockdown sessions, we're doing one song a week with the lockdown sessions and I'm starting to produce them up. The first one's called Isolated and that's finished as of today, actually. I got the final mix on that. So we're going to start producing those up and those will be song by song basis, but those are collaborative. And the dope thing about those is that they're done to raise money for charity and they're also going to exist as a time capsule for this period in our lives. Yeah. And it's weird when I was looking back at some of the songs, man, because the first song was called Isolated. And it was like, uh, you know, rock, rock and roll, whatever. And it fucking sounds sick, dude. I'll send it to you after this. I can't wait. Um, and then there are other songs that are much more chill that are really like, and it's weird because I check in with people as I'm doing the lockdown sessions. I say like, hey, how's everyone feeling? The day before I'm like, hey, what's, you know, let's throw a title up. Who wants to, who wants to have a go at the title? What's the theme of this one going to be? What's the vibe? And there was a bunch of people that were like, I want something kind of Calypso, something to chill out to on the weekend. Cause like, I've got a bit more time to chill. And we wrote a song called Just Chillin'. And the hook at the end was Netflix must be making a killing while half the world's chilling. <laughs> and, and it was like, and as I listened to them, I was like, it's kind of the journey that people are going on at the beginning. They're frustrated and confused. Then they kind of settle into it and like, okay, I'm going to force myself to relax because what else can I do? And now we, the last song is called Conspiracy, which is, of course, you know what the fuck that oh shit's Lord. about. Yeah. And, and it's fucking on the nose, dude. We had a couple of guys, Jason, if you're listening, shout out to Jason. He crushed most of the lyrics on the song. He just was feeling it and was like, fuck the White House. Fuck the system. Fuck the Federal Reserve. He was like, he, he started throwing up dope lyrics and we just kept putting them in. I literally, you'll see it in the video if you go to my Facebook page and watch it. I sat back and just was like, fucking write it out. Just write out the whole verse. You're crushing it. I'm not even going to interject. And he wrote out the whole first verse and we did it. It was dope. Okay, when that inspiration hits, get out of the way. Exactly. Know when to get in and when to get out, man. I love it. So these new songs are really like the life cycle of the pandemic. Yeah, I guess it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't intended to be, but it's turned out to be something much larger than the sum of its parts. Originally, it was something fun for me to do because I remember thinking, I mean, you want, I'm getting really deep into, and we'll have lots of conversations about this, but the, the way that this is changing the music business is unprecedented. I'm, I'm getting a bit sick of hearing everyone turn around and go, this is unprecedented. We're dealing in, um, what, what's, the, what's the catchphrase? These are uncertain times. <laughs> I love this shit that people are spitting out. Yeah, we've heard it, bro. We've heard it. Every so commercial starts with that yeah. melancholy piano. We, yes, the plink, we're, plink, we're dealing plink. with uncertain times. If mm -hmm. you're suffering from erectile dysfunction, this can help you. Exactly. You know, like, it's just... We're uh, going I'm, through this together. Yeah. Open up a checking account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're sick of it. So I was like, the 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 you're, you're, we're seeing how much, like you used the word correctly before we started the podcast, pivot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of musicians are pivoting and a lot of musicians aren't. And I think the ones who aren't pivoting are the ones who think that it's going to go back to the way it was. And anyone who's paying attention knows that it ain't. And the question is going to be, well, wh wh what seat are you going to take at the table? Are you going to take the, the seat at the back with the food that's old, that's half eaten and you're taking the, the what's left? Or are you going to be up the front when they pull out the new meals and the hot food and you're going to be like right in there, you know, taking your fucking plate? Where are you now, now a cynic or, or, you know, the, the counter to that would say, well, Sham, you have a huge catalog with sick puppies. You already have a platform to build off of. If you are a local or independent band starting out, I think the struggle is a lot more difficult to kind of find your way through or pivot around. I think you're absolutely right. And that makes this time a great opportunity for those bands. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity. I think if you can't look at this and see the opportunity, it's on you, man. 
like for for artists and i don't get it i don't get it everyone before the pandemic was like dude music's digital you know you got to change into social media is everything social media is everything right you know what uh, are, are you streaming are you live streaming if you were talking about that shit before covid it was like yeah yeah i'm getting on it i know but but live shows are king and all this sort of stuff i'm like we already were having this conversation before live shows were taken yeah. out of the equation so if you sit there and go, okay, well, we're just prepping to get back on tour and we're not really doing anything. And then you have to build an entire science around, well, what is your online brand? Because originally your online brand was to drive people to the show, drive t-shirt sales, drive all that sort of stuff. Now that's gone. What are you selling? Is it a VIP session? Is it new t-shirts? Is it a, is it a stream? Is it a, what, what the fuck is it? I mean, I'm, are, I'm in the process of building everything. Yeah. Are, are you a video artist? Do you think yeah. visually with your music and can you express that in some nice three minute packages on YouTube? Yeah. I agree that this is a time to be inspired. Is I don't want to diminish the fact that this shit's hard in general. Like a lot of oh, people are yeah. weighing, you know, whether it's financial, personal health, whatever, this is, this is an incredibly challenging time, but the, the opportunity for inspiration is there and the need to be inspired and move in new directions. And I, I, I tell people all the time, people I work with, Take chances. Now's the time to just make shit up and see if it works. It, it, we're in this creatively lawless society right now. Do what feels makes sense yeah. and give it a shot. If it fails, okay. Do you feel like this has really leveled the playing field in terms of like, for example, I go back to everyone and I go, I, up until January, I didn't know what Jennifer Lopez's kitchen looked like. And now we're seeing the inside of everyone's house and the inside of everyone's it's like there's it, the curtain is gone. What do you think? You know, there, there are purists who will say that there was a great time in music where you didn't know enough about the artist and they were mysterious and there, there was a, a mystique to your favorite bands. I think you know, that that's long since passed. And I think we like that personal connection. We like, I like if, if I read, if a song resonates with me, I want to know more. I want to want to dive in. I want to know what that artist looks like at home. And I, I think I think this is a wonderful time. On a related note, if I'm on a work call, a work Zoom call, I'm mad if I don't see someone's dog. I like being able to connect right. with people. Like, right. there's something that's kind of wonderful about all this, and it is kind of equalizing to to use a point you, you brought up. Yeah, and I think one of the good things is that it's it makes people very accountable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, explain. I think that there's a lot of people who are in the position of being a celebrity, right? Not, in, not me, I'm talking about celebrities. I'm talking like fucking big deal people, right? People who who the types of people who we've met who were like, oh, no, I'm sorry, we can't publish that picture. My face needs to be left right, for the frame. Yeah, Those sorts of people, right? Uh -huh. Those sorts of people live in a fucking, they're not on this planet. Now, as a result, if they were to start showing what their life looks like, it would completely alienate their fans because they don't live in the real world. Their image and what they put out is tailored to within an inch of its life. And even their social media content is like, hey guys, I'm backstage in my pimped out dressing room with my Dom Perignon and I wish I could see you, but I'm going on stage in 30 minutes. You know what I'm talking about, as opposed to here I am with my dog. And as a result, if everyone who actually opens that level of access to their fans, if they're not a quality person, it's, it has a negative effect. If you're a quality person who is just a good person, who has a good heart and a good way about you and projects good things and doesn't have like, 
you know, anything negative, you know, like, you know, seeing things like if you're, if my kid walked in and I was like, Hey baby, I'm just doing an interview. You'll be, be out in, you know, 20 minutes. Like I said, if she walked in and I was like, get the fuck out. I told you to, exactly. that, that would turn off everyone. And there are people that do that, but you, but so as a result, it's, it's culling the fucking herd in terms of, Oh, I liked that person before. turns out they're a yeah. fuck don't really yeah. like them anymore and people and that's why i'm saying independent artists who didn't have a chance you you got an iphone you got a guitar you've already got your songs if you're cool if you're just cool you that cool can now translate the cool used to be defined by the label by the agent by the management by the other band members by facebook's terms and conditions everyone in, involved in like saying like well here's what everyone else is doing this is what works and now finally if the truth has come out well no none of it actually worked it just worked at the time on a one-time basis a few times in a row but it wasn't a fucking recipe it was right. just everyone doing the same thing so now yeah, that playing to those old standards of everything needs to be pristine everything needs to be super slick and and you know just whatever just super high high concept everything yeah. is raw and real now yeah, i mean but I we was... all have shitty haircuts right now we're all yeah, yeah. working out of our homes exactly it's all about all you... authenticity were you scared when you had to start pivoting so dramatically and just being like well i've got to do it out of my house well i've got to just make what i've got at my house to work or were you like because i was nervous i was i'll be honest with you i was kind of excited i i, I really like this concept i built for the podcast for the past six years but there was something kind of thrilling to me of I'm going to do this every night. Now I was doing it once a week. I'm going to do right. this every night. And this is right. it, for one thing, it, it keeps me on a routine and I, I appreciate that in this weird time, but I, I like the challenge of it. Mm. Okay. I need to book guests every night and I need to be prepared for them. And I need to, you know, be at, at my best. I, I, I kind of enjoy it, but that's maybe that's my own personality type, but this is, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the pivot. Yeah. No, I, I have agree. a much smaller platform than you, but I mean, I, I've enjoyed what, what, you, what, what, what platform have you got? You got Facebook. Are you using the same thing? Twitch. What's we'll your say, platform? We'll say audience size. How about that? Uh, no, no, man. Here's the thing. I don't have, I, I didn't write you're going down. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I suffered from the exact same problem technically because I, when I, when I started doing live streaming, I literally, a couple of people were like, Hey man, everyone's starting to do a live stream. And I remember thinking, all right, I'll do a live stream. I'll do it from a couch. And I'll, and I remember thinking I've got to do something. I can't play my songs because if I play my songs one time, then whatever quality that is like sonically, whatever, whatever input, output, microphone, whatever I've got, that's it. It's out there. And then everyone's going to go to that recording because that's my live stream that I did. And then they're going to move to the next thing and they're not going to come back to me. Cause they're, well, I heard, I, I saw his show. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, cool. What's next. So I remember thinking, I can't just do that. What can I do that entices people to come back every day, every week, that doesn't blow my wad by just playing my hits one time and they go, well, that was Shim's thing. Let's go to every other fucking band that's ever existed doing a live stream this month, right? <laughs> every fucking band and every Fair artist enough. ever heard of is doing the same fucking thing. And yeah. more power to them. You should do it. I've made a point of not doing it because I know that, and that was why I put the VIP sessions on. I didn't do it as a calculated thing. I did it because it was a dare. But the first live stream, I was like, ah, maybe I'll write a song in front of people because I can do that all day, every day. I can keep moving that. Or and then, I, then it came into collaborating because people started throwing ideas and I went, all right, cool, we'll write a song together. And because I'm not on a record label, I can do that. P.S. That's why most people aren't fucking doing it. 
It's not because they can't do it. It's because they're contractually obligated to not, That's they're not it. allowed to release it for free and then not monetize it or God forbid, give it away for charity. Fuck that. Where's our fucking commission? Exactly. So, so I started doing it and I was like, I, I could say cunt on my live stream. And then what, what happens after that? If, cause I'll say that in the recording session, if I, if I fucking blow a vocal a bunch of times, I'll say it. Oh yeah, and then, and then I was like, if I say that on a live stream, people people are gonna lose all my fans. You can't say that. And then I did it, and it was like, no one cared. <laughs> no one cared because it's real. Be like, You're not doing it for shock value. That's just it's a real reaction. It's not a malicious reaction. It's just. It's just, you're actually being totally authentic and mm -hmm. you relax in front of the camera and it's very hard for most people i totally understand i'm fortunate that i was raised in the back of theaters i've always been on stage i've had a lot of success on stage it's just part of who i am now but if you're getting yeah. started it would be hard for a band to be like well i need to run it through the filters of a million processes before it finally goes online and then gets posted and forgotten within 10 minutes like that's fucking heartbreaking and, and there is there is that ego thing again going back to everyone having a shitty haircut yeah. if you're uncomfortable on camera knowing you're not looking as good as maybe you were in february yeah yeah you just kind of have to walk right through it. it you got to choke it down i mean uh -huh. it, it's that's that's the interesting pivot and i like it and it's become very freeing for me i mean it's nice that we don't just have to talk about well, it's good. So you're doing your podcast, mate. Well, that's great. Oh, yeah. My last release did this and the song was written about like, that's nice, but that's not all we can talk about now. We can talk about everything. And then you have to, you know, there's it's 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 a new world. It's fucking it's really interesting and exciting. Yeah, we could talk about ACDC, Bowie and uh, Alice Cooper all night long. See, I'm embarrassed now that I've brought this stuff up with you because you know all the deep cuts and I only know the singles. I was a singles boy and, and everyone watching would be like, oh, he's really cool. And then you're going to throw out like names of songs I don't even know. And I, like, I wouldn't yeah. do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> but I could get really nerdy with the Bowie, with the I, Bowie oh, and the Alice Cooper. No, I'm a singles kid, man. I only know a handful of Bowie songs, just the good ones. Did you feel that? I sent that straight to you, mate. It's not, it's not a handful. One. That's not that's a handful. Those are several handfuls. Those, <laughs> that's a wheelbarrow of good songs. Yeah. Handful. All right. So, Shim, so new songs are being developed live on the internet as this whole thing is, is rambling along. Um, at some point when all this lifts and, you know, you, you make your trip around the U.S., we can't wait to see you in some way, shape, or form in Chicago. However, yeah, that works out. Yeah. We, we, we love you here. Thanks, man. Thank you for the support. Thanks for inviting me and remembering who the fuck I am. And um, no, I'm serious. I'm surprised when anyone remembers who the fuck I am. Um, but yeah, I'll be um, there with the Hollywood Rebellion, which is the, which is what we're calling ourselves when we write songs. It's like that's what we're doing because God knows if you were under a Hollywood contract, you would not be allowed to do this shit. Uh huh. And, uh, <laughs> and I just love I just I just love it when people come and hang out. They come onto the Twitch stream, and we do we, we were doing it on Facebook. We're doing it on Twitch now, so it's great. It's interactive. You can you can press buttons that make shit fly across the screen. Fucking get your lyrics in the song. Say whatever the hell you want. Start. That's that's the new model right there. Yeah, man. All right, I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. Thank you everybody for watching. That is Shim. He is a downright good dude. We're going to kill the Facebook, and we're out. You're amazing. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to see you again and talk to you.